What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Second Take Podcast. We have a special edition on uh, May the 4th is when this episode is being recorded. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be, be with you. Um, episode 3, we have some interesting topics, but I'm going to get straight into it. Let Adam take away the topics. Y'all have any uh, any comments to say on this episode? None. Just May the 4th. All right. So for episode 3, I hope my mic, my mic sounds a little bit better. We did adjust a couple things, too. So, our first big take, big, big take on today's episode, draft grades. I, I, did, I did a grade for every team. Okay. Did you? Um, I did two, two winners and two losers. So, I have, I have two teams that really succeeded in the draft and two that kind of fumbled. So we'll go through everybody's um, choices in yeah. a minute. Uh, Adam, you want to take it away? All right. So I'm just going to go over some of the bigger ones that I feel. I feel like some of the ones that caught my eye were definitely someone like the New, New England Patriots who drafted Cole Strange first over or first round. And then later that round, Bill, Bill Belichick drafted a quarterback, which I didn't understand. That was Whoever knows what the hooded menace. <laughs> I mean, that was just weird. That was very, very weird to me. I felt like Philly made the biggest draft day splash out of any team, getting A.J. Brown. I don't remember who they traded or what they traded away for him, but that's that was pretty good, how they got a D lineman and then went directly to get A.J. Brown. So, And then they got the biggest guy, Jordan Davis. That dude, he is scary. I, like every time I see pictures of him, I'm just like, I don't want to be on the other side of him. Just built a little bit different. I agree. Like I think he's six seven three eighty, something like that. Never. I will never line up against him. <laughs> <laughs> never. I'd, I'd piss myself before I have to line up against him. Um, I think the Seahawks had an RA draft. They just kind of yeah. slap in the face for Russell. Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel yeah. bad, but not really. <laughs> um, the biggest loser, in my opinion, is probably Tennessee, giving away their biggest receiver and then getting nothing in return. Basically, I mean, fuck. It's not like they're a passing team anyway. Right. I mean, but they also pissed off their quarterback. By right. Wait, quarterback. right. 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 You, you, you saw what Tannehill Hill said though about like about Malik Willis. Like, he said, "Man, it's not my not job to mentor him." <laughs> like, what you mean? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what you mean? Like that. That's gonna speak volumes this mm. year. Whenever he's, bro, I'd say I'd say fuck him too. Like it just signed that big ass extension last year. I'd say fuck him too. I mean, yeah, but it's yeah, just, but it's kind of is in me, in my opinion, it's more of a slap in the face that they drafted him and probably didn't tell him anything about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, than Russell not getting O line help throughout right. the years for Seahawks. Right. All right, and then a couple big teams, the Saints. I think they had a B in the draft. And then a B plus once they got Tyron Matthew, and the only reason why I say that is because they solved their problems in their first round draft. They got a wide receiver and Chris Olave, and they got Trevor uh, Penning for their own line. So they addressed the problems early. They got, I mean, I wouldn't say the best on the board at the time, but I think they got the best they could get for where they were, right? Without having to trade picks and anything. I think they should if they want. To be successful this season and beat Tampa Bay, they're gonna have to make just one more big move before the season starts. In my opinion, uh, I don't know because I, I think at this point now it's about Jameis Winston. You know whether or and not he can get scary. the job done. It's yeah. because 
I'm I'll tell you straight up, I'm not a Saints fan, Miami Dolphins fan till I die. Right. But that is scary because like oh, yeah. what does Jameis Winston have to show? Thirty interceptions for thirty touchdowns yeah, in Tampa Bay. And like you think about before he got injured last year, you know, he was five and two, I think it was, with the Saints. And your backup quarterback now is Andy Dalton. So I don't know if that's really an upgrade. So it, it really comes down to the quarterback position. Right. You got the running back, you got the wide receiver, you got the offensive line coming back healthy, you got the defense. It's it's all in the quarterback now. So I also have my my grade for the Steelers. I gave them a B. Because I I called it. Last episode, I said Kenny Pickett is going to the Steelers. Fact check. Go back and check. And you didn't like it. No. You didn't like it day of. You didn't like it when they drafted him. No. I said it's going to happen. He's staying in town. They had four years to look look at him because they're just right right down the road. Right. No, they're so, like, like I think the, the Steelers facilities, like when you walk into the facility, it's to the left, and the Pittsburgh Panthers are to the right. So it's wow. literally exactly. right there. So they, they literally yeah. have been watching him yeah. for four years. Yeah. So they, they already had takes and everything. Now, they did draft a felon, in my opinion, to the wide receiver core. I'm not even gonna lie though. I was I was really happy when they drafted him. I didn't like the way that he stood whenever they whenever he was picked, but I do like the draft pick overall. Man, when I tell you that man is a menace, I'll tell you just like this, bro. I'll tell you just like this. He is either going to be a superstar, All Pro, Pro Bowl first year, or he's getting suspended. He's gonna fight somebody. Yeah. He fits with the AFC. Standing North, like with, NBA young boy. What yeah. the fuck is wrong with you? He he, he fits with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. AFC and, North, you know bro. I mean? He fits so, in perfectly. So we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, I just, I will never forget the time. I think I was, like, at a Buffalo Wild Wings in some random place in Louisiana. And it was the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. And me and my brother were watching it on the TV. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And this man grabbed someone by the shoulder pads, dragged him, like, three yards. and After th- punching him in the head with a helmet on. <laughs> right. And then threw him into the stand. I'm here for it. I'm here for I it. I was like, wow, that's, that's a wild man. Yep. And then... Him standing like Poosh Icedy at the TV screen when he got drafted. Right. Bro, that was full on NBA young boy, knees bent inwards, everything. <laughs> uh, I do have a, a few words to say about the Packers. I think they did a they had a B minus draft. I think the only thing that would have made it better is if they would have picked a receiver early because they had picks to get receivers and they chose defense. The only reason why they're a B minus and not anything lower is because they talked to Aaron Rodgers afterwards. Or I know Pat McAfee talked to Aaron Rodgers during the trade or during the picks, and he said he was he was fine with it. He was happy with it. He didn't mind it. I think that just goes to show you that he could be successful with anyone. They ended up did they did get a wide receiver in the next round, but I think they could have gotten someone who Aaron Rodgers would have compatible uh, been more compatible with. And then my Bills, I gave an A minus, Super Bowl bound, hundred percent. Oh Lord. We got King Kyrie. In the uh, cornerback slot. Oh Going to hold God. it down. Really? Uh, James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother. Did not look happy at all when he got selected by them. You know, I'm going to touch on that with my take. Okay. He just didn't look happy because I wouldn't be happy too if I had to go play in three-degree weather half the season. But you know what? He's going to be happy whenever we're winning games. So, fuck it. And then also we got the punt god. That's it. That's all I got to say about him. Who? The San Diego State guy. He, he has deemed himself the punt god. So... He's a punter. Look, his words. He's a punter. His his words, not mine. We didn't need anybody. He's bragging about it too. You hype about a punter they drafted. I'm hyped because of how hyped he was whenever he was. That's that's like when the Steelers selected a punter last year. I'm like, what are we doing? But you know, 
y'all literally selected a player to give the ball back to the other team. Right. I just, <laughs> I just want to say that. Exactly. Yeah, but we also picked someone on the defense to make sure whenever we get the ball back, they won't score. So. But nobody wants to talk about Thomas Morstead to the Dolphins. Sorry, no one wants to talk about a 40-year-old Wait, wait who did you ball. sign? Huh? Who did you sign to the oh, defensive side? We got King Kair. We drafted him. Oh, I thought you meant like a free agent. Okay. No, no, no. no okay. Kair, long. Oh, he's good. I give him that. He's really good. I mean, I wanted Andrew Booth, but obviously. I mean, I watched that guy get drafted, and he was like. Who? John Wilkes Booth? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I watched I watched him get drafted, and on the phone with the, uh, the Bills organization, he was like, man, put the playbook on the plane. Yeah, I, was I, like, I was like, okay, this man this man is ready. He's ready to be uh, put in. Longman, who was your biggest winners and losers in the so, NFL draft? So I think the, the thing about the draft is it just showed you what general managers think of the wide receiver, the wide receiver position. They had a lot that went. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about, like, the, the first, you know, first 10 picks. Besides Garrett Wilson, nothing happened. And then when you go down, down the draft, it's just receiver at the receiver and, you know, so on and so forth. It just showed you, you know, that they valued that wide, wide receiver position a lot more than what they, they once did, you know. Um, with the Eagles trading for A.J. Brown or the Saints moving up to select Chris Olave, you know, whatever the case is, you know, they, they valued that position a whole lot more than they once did. Um, but but I would get to my biggest winner, I think, of the overall draft is the New York Jets. Hmm. Sauce Gardner. I mean, I mean, you, you think about that they selected, I, I think, I, I think he's the second best cornerback besides, their, you know, behind Darius Stanley. But they they selected a, a, a pretty good cornerback. In, You're in talking Sauce about Gardner. Sauce Gardner, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one thing that majorly stood out to me, quick quick input, is that Sauce Gardner gave up no touchdowns yeah. in his whole career. Yeah, that is insane. No, it is absolutely. And now, do I think that trend is going to continue on the New York Jets? No, no. right, right. I mean, but but when you Not have in a, that division, uh, especially a defensive minded head coach, I, I think they're going to be just fine with him. You know, you select Garrett Wilson at number ten. Mm-hmm. Who I mean, I would have selected Chris Olave at that point, or you know, obviously Drake London had gone a few picks before. I but think he went too high for him. Yeah, I mean, I I I think he did too. But you know, at the same time, I, I think they got the the best you know overall talent at the wide receiver position. You know, especially at number ten, and then being able to trade back into the first round for Jermaine Johnson, I believe it is. Um, yeah, Jermaine Johnson out of out of Florida State. And you think about their 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 second round pick, Brees Hall. Yeah, fuck them, I mean, by the way, because well, I wanted Brees yeah. Hall. Well, now, I saw them trade up for Brees Hall, right. and I was very pissed and, and, off about and, it. And now you give, you know, the New York Jets, him and Michael Carter, Michael Carter, you know, a third down, third down back that's going to get, you know, first downs, you know, move the chains and things like that. I think they had a solid first and second round, honestly. Um, you know, you think about the, the positions of need. I mean, they need everything at this point, but they, they ended up filling what, what they needed most, and they got the best available player, you know, when they did. And, and to kind of go off what Adam said about, you know, kind of the, the weirdest draft, or I guess the loser, I guess you could say, in this, in, in this particular circumstance, is the, the New England Patriots. You right. selected a guard that a lot of scouts had was going to go in, like, the third, late second round, maybe? Some even had him in the fourth. Yeah, and then you select a wide receiver out of Baylor, Tracon Thornton, I believe his name is. At that point, you had George Pickens on the board. You had Sky Moore on the board. What are you doing? You know, this this is somebody that really hasn't proven himself at Baylor. I mean, I, I think he's a great talent. I think he has a lot of upside potential. But at that point, you have to select the best player at that position. I just don't think that he was. Now, the, the next two picks they made were cornerbacks. I don't really have an issue with that. But they made a, a, a pick at the, the running back and the quarterback position. That's two places 
where I thought that they would not even address at all. You got Mac Jones. You got Damian Harris as your running back. I think that's good enough to get the job done. You know, you have to address the defensive side of the ball. You have to address the offensive line, the wide receiver. Leave the running back and the quarterback position alone. And I just, I think, I think they reach for that, in my opinion. And then to kind of go off, um, you know, my, my Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I, I did have them at a C plus. I did have them at a C plus. Now, when I kind of reevaluated it, I liked the Kenny Pickett. And here's why. You, you bring it in. It didn't seem like that on draft well, night. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I slept on it. I looked at the tape. I did some research. Here's what I'm saying. That at that point, at that pick, we needed to make a selection that was going to get Mitchell Trubisky to elevate his game. The most pro-ready quarterback in this draft was Kenny Pickett. Malik Willis, two, three-year project. When you bring in Kenny Pickett, it gives Mitchell Trubisky... Puts that pressure on him. Yeah, exactly. So it, it elevates that competition. So, you know, if, if he's going to play, great. If he doesn't, oh well. But now you have a quarterback that can step in right away and it allows Mitchell Trubisky to kind of step, step back and say, oh... You know, I have to elevate my game a little bit more. And I think it was a great pick, honestly. Um, you know, like I said, you know, draft day wasn't was wasn't the best, but you know. All right, so um my two winners for the NFL draft is one Adams team, the Buffalo Bills. Um they used the draft to put the finishing touches on a heavily balanced roster. I'll start off like that. Um the first round pick, Kair Elam. He's going to fill the void across from uh, Trey White. Um, Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, in the second round, he was not too pleased with going to Buffalo, but I believe he's going to have some impact bigger than – I believe y'all signed Duke Johnson from us over the offseason. And who, who else y'all had? Zach Moss and who? Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, yep. yeah. So I believe, like, this rookie is going to put some pressure on them to perform. And if not, you'll have a, th- a trio of running backs that all do different assets. Mm-hmm. You could have them all be lethal weapons for Buffalo. Absolutely. Um, one thing that neither one of y'all touched on was the secret signing of Jamison Crowder. So Buffalo was not in any need for weapons, but I believe that across from Cole Beasley – this puts. I think they released Cole Beasley though, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they did. I'm almost yeah. positive. That's yeah, why they signed. Gotcha. I think they released Emmanuel gotcha. Sanders too. Well, I'm taking Jamison Crowder. He's been a number one receiver over who? Cole Beasley. Oh, okay. definitely. He's been a number one receiver on two different teams. Granted, that being the fucking the New York Jets and the Washington yeah, football team. Okay. Granted, that being two of the worst teams in the NFL. Commandos. But I believe he brings that veteran presence to that offense and possibly can elevate the other receivers. Okay. Maybe. I mean, Stephon Diggs doesn't need much more elevating. Mm-hmm. Maybe but, so. um, they also have Gabriel Davis, too. So, I mean. You know. Yeah, but. He showed up and showed out. Yeah, yeah he did. I mean, I mean, all, all you really need is another wide receiver, honestly. I mean, you, you, you don't need that wide receiver, too. You just need that kind of slot receiver. Right. See, know? I like Crowder. I honestly I like for, Crowder. I, I like for, Jamison Crowder. I forgot all about him. I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that they signed him. Yeah. But I'm, I was, I, I've always been a big fan of him. Um, my next winner is the Philadelphia Eagles. So, last month, Howie Roseman, the GM, pulled off an insane draft capital with the New Orleans Saints. So he got, I believe it was either two or three picks in this draft, high picks from the New Orleans Saints. Um, but it set them up for the years to come. They fortified their defense. They selected Jordan Davis in the first round. And then I believe they absolutely stole, they absolutely stole N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. Yep. 
I 100% believe that he's going to be a superstar in this league. Absolutely. He's going to he's going to fill that void of Fletcher Cox leaving. You know, that defensive, you know, grit, you know, getting down on the grit iron. I, th- I think he's back, but I think it's on a one-year contract. Yeah. Fletcher Cox, but I mean, even, I like look, looking like towards the future, you know, you yeah, have Jordan yeah, yeah, Davis yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Dean. That's that, that's a pretty good combo. I right just there. feel like they don't like him, Fletcher Cox and Philly. Well, like, yeah, I mean, he's just get, he's just getting old, you know. I mean, Probably yeah, costing yeah, a lot yeah. more. I just so. feel like if you cut someone and then re-sign them, there's some not beef, but it just shows that you're like, eh, if he goes, he goes. If he stays, he stays. And then the day before they selected Nakobe Dean in the third round, uh, Roseman pulled the trigger on AJ Brown. So that trade with Tennessee meant big things to Philadelphia. I don't know if y'all saw, but it was going viral on Twitter of uh, Jalen Hurts FaceTiming AJ Brown, yep. and they were really hype. Oh yeah! So I, that puts that that quick deep threat alongside Devonte Smith. Oh yeah! So it's like, oh yeah, who are you going to guard? You know, pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Um, still got Dallas Goddard too. Right, you know I mean? right, 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 right. Uh, the draft losers, in my opinion. Longman kind of touched base on this is the New England Patriots. So in the first round, they had a surprise selection of the Chattanooga guard Cole Strange. Um, honestly, that was a reach in my opinion. Big reach. Big, big reach. But what can we expect from Belichick? I mean, Sean McVay in an interview was like, man, we were scouting him for the right. third round. Right, but right. I think big Bill Belichick is probably one of the worst drafters in Didn't NFL history. Didn't he let his fucking dog draft two he years ago? Like he, he just he, put him in the video. Yeah. He didn't let he, him draft. He drafted Nikhil Harry, I think his name was. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what he does on the, on the team anymore. You know, it's just nothing. You know, and I'll tell you one thing: they had a very, very underwhelming draft. Um, you figured they make the jump on one of them six big receivers in the first round? Nothing, nothing. They select the guard from Chattanooga, and like Adam was saying, Sean McVay was scouting him out for the third round. So like, I believe you could have waited, Bill Belichick. But right. this is just like this is classic Bill Belichick. You know, I'm gonna take somebody. I'm gonna prove to you like they're the answer. I don't know how he's going to do that with a guard, but we shall see this coming season. Um, the biggest move they had, really, in the offseason was signing Devontae Parker, a washed-up Miami Dolphins wide receiver. Yeah. And I'll take that because we have our answer in Miami. Mm-hmm. So you see the other moves that the AFC did. It's like, what are you doing? You're just kind of stagnant, you know? Right. So how you expect to make a deep threat with the Bills and the Miami Dolphins in your division? The Jets? Eh. Yeah. Um, my second loser is the Chicago Bears. So, um, Matt Nagy, I'm not a fan of you. Never have been. Never will be. Never will be. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not in Chicago anymore, but I believe you single-handedly sabotaged Justin Fields' first year. Mm-hmm. Gave him no protection, gave him no receivers, and then on top of that, you lost your number one receiver, Allen Robinson, to the Rams in the offseason. And guess who they selected in the, the first pick? I'm getting to that. You know what I mean? No first, no first round pick. Uh, they gave it to the Giants to move up to select fields last year. Correct. Uh, they waited until the third round to address the offense, which is like, what are you doing? That's where your problems start. Uh, they selected the Tennessee wideout of Velas Jones Jr. Who? Who? Uh, <laughs> the loss of Allen Robinson is still significantly bigger than the draft pick, and that's what I have on that. And another thing about that offense that they ran last year is that was not a justin fields offense like they they made no strides to try to fix that offense there's literally just placeholders in every position but it seems like every offense they run isn't fit for any quarterback 
You know, like like I'm not saying Mitchell Trubisky was a great quarterback, but you know they bro, they, it, they didn't elevate. Like his I game said, at all. bro, it started with Matt Nagy. Absolutely. I've never been a fan. My good friend John has never been a fan. Lifelong Bears fan. It's just it, he's he's not capable. He's like on that Adam Gase level. I absolutely hate Adam right, Gase. Right. Left Chicago, it's, come to Miami to ruin yeah. the team. Go to New York to ruin the team, and it, now he's what like a fucking like a quarterbacks coach for some. I don't probably. know. But didn't, didn't didn't they just fire him and then they hire? Um, yeah, they got a new coach that, uh, in the offensive coordinator. Yes, from the yes, yeah. yes. But like, you have a defensive minded coach. How is this going to excel, Justin Fields? Right. Another uh, another team that I surprised forgot about until I look back at my notes is that the fucking Detroit Jared Golfs gave them an A plus. Hey, they had between them and the Jets being the worst team. They they did the very yep. good. I put future's looking bright for them. I put that they put they drafted someone that they could advertise right away. Yeah, right. they can get butts in the seats right away. And yeah, you're talking about Adrian Hutchinson, right? Yeah, right. So he born and raised in Michigan. Yeah, went to Michigan. Got drafted by Detroit. I, I think Jacksonville sh- should have selected him with the first pick. I 100% agree. But yeah, like, it was Jacksonville being Jacksonville. Like what I'm saying is that they can they can market Hutchinson like oh, that. Yeah. Is that oh, yeah. They could say Detroit boy through and Detroit's through. Detroit's very own. And then right off the rip, you just start advertising Detroit games like that. Absolutely. Um, Just to touch base on a couple more teams, I put that the Browns kind of just fumbled it. See, I gave them a C- just because they didn't have any first or seconds. They're right. overpaying. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Who knows if he's even going to fucking play. I put the, the only reason they got a C- and not anything lower is because they got Cade York. Shout out Cade York. Cade York. Shout out yep. Cade York. Yep. All love for Cade York in this, on this podcast. And then the Ravens had six fourth-round picks. See, that's insane. Like, that's insane. But I feel like they could have done better to use that capital to trade up. Yeah, mm-hmm. replace they, Marquise. Now Brown. I will say they did have a really good first round. Yeah, they selected yeah, Kyle yeah, Hamilton and, and Tyler Linderbaum. That was someone I, you wanted. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was very adamant about him, but you know they had a very good first round. I mean, I, I didn't really watch their Damn, second straight third, to the rivals. You know, so, you know, you know, but I, like, I have to get props where it's due. You can't draft four or no six fourth round people and not find one hidden gem out of that. Right. 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 So at least one or two of them, I feel like, are going to make it pretty well pretty well living for themselves it was just once i looked back at it and saw they had six like, that's unheard of and right it, i mean obviously that's not gonna be in the first three rounds but it's just crazy six in the fourth round what are your opinions about tyron matthew going to the saints so tyron matthew signed with the new orleans saints you know hometown hero three years 33 million dollars 18 guaranteed right um, even though he turns 30 on May 13th, I believe he's still been the best in his last three seasons of his career. So he's had 13 of his 26 career interceptions and one more in the postseason in these past three years. Right. You know, he's played on the Cardinals. He's played on the Texans. Not great organizations, but I believe that grit of the New Orleans Saints, the atmosphere, that's just going to feed into his Louisiana vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to get his swag back. He's going to get that honey badger swag back. Oh, yeah. The landlord. Right, right. Um, That's a great replacement for Marcus Williams. You lose him to the Ravens. Yep. And they also have Marcus May out of uh, the New York Jets, I believe. They just signed him to the offseason. So, I mean, they already had one one position filled up. They just needed that, that they, difference maker. They needed that multidimensional player. Absolutely. So his ability to line up at free safety, strong safety, nickel. And he poses as something the Saints haven't had in a while. 
So, like I said, you know, the great ability to line up in the slot and match up against tight ends. Um, you know, for, this comes from an, an anonymous former NFL safety and ESPN analyst. Uh, he said his natural football instincts you can't teach as a position coach. His ability to identify what down and distance formation, personnel, and game situation he's in is the reason he's always around the ball each play. And I believe that. You back, you go back and look at that Super Bowl. You go back and look at that postseason. You will see Tyron Matthew, number 32, around the ball in, in, the, field, in the field of play, in the field of view, every time around that ball. It's because he's a ball hog. You know, you get it down to a receiver. He's going to chase down that receiver. He's going to ball hawk that ball while it's in the air. He's going to do all that. And that's something I think the Saints have missed for a very long time, and that's going to elevate their other defensive players. That's going to elevate Lattimore. That's going to elevate everybody else on that defense. Gardner Johnson. Gardner Johnson. Yep. You know, that's just – it's it's a key piece you have to have. you got to have that attitude, that grit, and – I believe in the first episode, Long was talking about he would want Tyron Matthew to return to the LSU Tigers to coach. And I believe he would be a great coach. And I believe he shows them aspects on the field right now. And a team not wanting not wanting to go after him is insane to me. Right. He yeah. had to go tour the New Orleans Saints facility for them to offer him a contract. And I believe they paid him correctly. Oh, yeah. And to, and to kind of bring up your point about the recruits. Is that now that he's closer to home and he's in New Orleans, it's it's gonna make that it's whole, gonna make that exactly you know that know whole I mean? aspect explode. It's Absolutely. a gateway for him. Absolutely. So now that he's in New Orleans, he could just say, "I want to finish my career in New Orleans because I love New Orleans." And once he finishes, he could just go right down the road to Baton Rouge. Yep. Y'all think Aaron Rodgers is really in love with the Packers, or do you think the Packers just have a vendetta against Rodgers? That is just take the money and run with it bro so so i I will defend the packers i think adam has said this early on that when they were scheduled to draft in the first round they didn't have many wide receivers that were really first round material at that point you know you had the george pickens you know you had the sky moors you know those are going to go later in the second round third round but at that point they took the best available options you know two defensive players out of georgia i believe it was i can't remember their names but um, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Okay, so it's, they're both out of Georgia, correct? Right. Okay, so you, you, you take the two best players available overall and you upgrade a defense that, you know, was, was good last year, but you lost key pieces. You lost to Darius Smith. You know, you, you, um, you know you, you're trying to get Jair Alexander back from injury and, and things of that nature. So at that point, you had to draft the best available players, and, and they did so. You know, I will say that, though, if even if there was a receiver on the board, I feel like they wouldn't have drafted him because I feel like there's there's something against Aaron Rodgers that in the offseason, he you know they, they he bashed him you know he he made it public that he wasn't satisfied with with the organization you know they apologized they said that they would do better they paid him all that money and then you know they drafted defensive players it doesn't look good and they gave away his top receiver yeah. which I also I have a quick input on that is um. Before Friday, when Green Bay selected Christian Watson with the 34th pick from North Dakota State, um, before that, they hadn't selected a pass catcher since the third round of the 2021 draft. And they just drafted a total of two pass catchers in the last two classes combined. So the last time they drafted a receiver higher than the 34th pick was Jordy Nelson in 2008. Right. And, like, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, you know, they can say all the right things. We're going to get you help. We're going to help you you know, on the offensive side of the ball, but do they really mean that? You know, are they, are they just blowing smoke? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
I, th- I think if if a first round talent receiver was on the board, they probably still wouldn't have selected him. They wouldn't have traded up to get him. But at that point, um, I'm going to defend him in this case that they selected the best available players. But at the same time, your best receivers is someone coming off of an ACL surgery and Robert Tunyon. You got Randall Cobb, who hasn't been, you know, anything in the, in the past, you know, years or so. Alan Lazard, I don't even he, know if he's on the team. He hasn't been anything since he left Green Bay. Exactly. Lazard is so, the only one that was left on the team after after all their trading and everything. Right. So so when you select Christian Wa- Watson, is that what his name? Watson? Yeah, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. What else did you do after that? Did you help him offensively, or did you just kind of just say, "All right, we got your receiver. Let's let's go." Let's let's go draft whoever we want now. I don't know. I I feel like there's something against them. You know, even that they were put on blast, they were put on social media, that Aaron Rodgers was dissatisfied with the organization. He wanted changes, and they kind of said, "Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll make those changes." And then it just showed in the draft that they weren't willing to make those changes. And the most that Matt Lafleur had to say on that receiver is, "All those guys can run." Exactly. Like that's the most he see, could say. See, I I think in order for him to be happy, you need to go out and you got to get Jarvis Landry. You gotta get Odell Beckham Jr. You gotta get somebody that's Who's a, a made number man. That that is a number one. You know, like I said, you don't have a number one right now. You know, I guess your number one right now is Randall Cobb or Lazard, exactly, or Tunyon or you know whoever it is. You 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 need that. You need that guy. You know, you need that number one receiver. You lost him to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders, and, and he got a DUI. So I mean, well, you know, that's that's whatever. But you know, you, you you lose your number one receiver, and they don't replace him. In a sense, I mean, like, not not saying that Christian um, uh, Watson can be a great player, he's just not Devontae Adams, you know. I mean, and if you look at his tape, he played with Trey Lance, but I mean, Trey Lance hasn't got his shot either. So you look at the quarterback that's been throwing you the ball all your college career hasn't got his shot yet. What does that sh- What does that show for you in the Packers organization? It's like they're going to go to Lazard first. They're going to go to Tunyon first. Right. They might past the Aaron Jones first like you never know you never know see I disagree with that I think I think being forced to be the number one or one or number two for him is gonna make him probably one of the top rookies of the year but that's only because that's the only person that Aaron Rodgers is gonna be able to throw to consistently like he's gonna he's gonna make himself into that person that he's gonna need to rely on but I mean that's I mean, it, you put yourself in a tough situation whenever you don't draft up to get a receiver or you draft defensive players over receivers. Right. And the NFL is a copycat league, so whenever the Jets selected Garrett Wilson at number 10, then the Saints traded up to get Olave, you know, obviously with Drake London going before Garrett Wilson. it's It, it was kind of that domino effect that everyone wanted a receiver at that point. It was just who was willing to trade up to get him. And I guess, you know, where the Packers were at, they weren't willing to trade up all that draft capital in order to get a, a number one receiver. All right. Now that we're done talking about the draft, and I'm sure there's more football news to come. Season isn't started yet. Still some big names out there. But we're going to move on to the Pelicans. Pelicans had a good year, in my opinion, for what they had. They ended up getting C.J. McCullen, which really elevated the team, in my opinion. I love... How that, how that energy was at the end of the season. Whenever they were playing the Suns, I I loved that. How they became, they went from a three and sixteen team to a postseason team. That's just that's the energy you love to see. Absolutely. I mean, all their players did what they had to do to make it there. They balled in. They balled in. Got any words to say about the Pelicans? So, uh, like Adam said, you know, um, I'm, I'm I just want to give a, a 
a few props to the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, and Willie Green and that staff going one and twelve at the beginning of the year, then going three and fourteen. At that point, they were looking towards you know the draft and and what they were going to get in terms of a lottery pick. But you go out and you you trade for C.J. McCullen, you get Brandon Ingram that you know his his running mate while Zion Williamson is out. You make a run to the NBA playoffs. You not only make the playing tournament, you win against the San Antonio Spurs. You beat the Los Angeles Clippers, and you take the def- the defending Western Conference champions to six games. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the future's looking bright. You know, when you have Jose Alvarado, you have Herbert Jones, Jackson Hayes, all these young, talented guys. You know, the, the future of the New Orleans Pelicans is bright, and I think that their championship aspirations, you know, can be something that's sooner rather than later. I just think that you have to keep those players. You have to. New Orleans is famous for not being able to keep players and just moving them on. Yeah, but I, I think at the same time though, like none of those players are players are really on a contract at this point. I mean, besides Zion, I think he's a he's available for an extension during the summer. But other than that, you have Valanciunas for three plus years. You have Herbert Jones on his rookie contract. C.J. McCollum's on his still on his contract. You know, Brandon Ingram just signed the the max extension last last summer. So I mean. It's it's not that you're going to lose players, but at this point, it's about getting players to come to New Orleans. And that's hard because New Orleans isn't a famous team for winning, so it's hard to bring in better players. So, whenever I saw them get that C.J. McCullen, it was for me it was pretty exciting to see. Yeah, and like I mean, I, th- I think at this point though, when you have C.J., you have B.I., and you have Zion coming back, I think that kind of attracts it a little bit more. But as you said, you know, New Orleans isn't really a hot destination for free agents. I agree. Um, I have about five like major points on this topic. Uh, one, the Pelicans found the right coach. I believe in Willie Green. I wholeheartedly believe in him. I, I believe in him, especially after the emotions he showed right. after they lost. Like he's one sick. of he's one of the most respected assistant coaches in the NBA before he took this head coaching job. Um, being a former player, he knows how to interact with him. He knows how to bring that exceptional leadership that the New Orleans Pelicans need. Um, Brandon Ingram could be the next superstar. He could be the next, you know, LeBron, Luka Doncic. He he has that ability. Right. And New Orleans has not done anything but show that ability to everybody. Absolutely. He was not the same player he was in Los Angeles. Hell no. They put the ball in his hands and let him perform. Let him take these fadeaway shots. Let him take these shots from the arc. Let him drive to the goal. And he's long, lanky. You know, he could get around defenders, you know, especially the, the big down-in-the-paint ones. Yeah, there, there were some shots he made in, in the series that I was like, wow. Like, wow. Like That's impressive. The Kobe resemblance is insane. Absolutely. is very insane. Um, Like Longman touched on, Herb Jones is a dynamic NBA talent. Dynamic. Uh, he has a high ceiling. He could be a superstar. I just... I don't think it can be on the Pelicans. I think he um, can be that he can be that role player. He can be that, but he's got to move on from the Pelicans. That's I, just I don't, I don't know. that's just my my opinion on him. Um Trey Murphy and Jose Grand Theft Alvarado. Mm. Let me tell you about him. They are some serious contributors. Uh you take those pieces, those are people who could pop off at any time. You know, kind of similar to Chris Middleton on the Bucks. Might be a stretch, but you know they could they can make those shots they're supposed to make. You can you can trust the ball in their hands to a certain extent. Absolutely, you you saw that during the playoffs, like right, especially during that series when Herbert Jones um, and those young guys kind of made shots when you know when they needed to. So it it showed their their growth a little bit, you know, as it pertains to 
you know, the, the future of the Pelicans. And my last point is C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance are perfect fits for this roster. Absolutely. Um, before McCollum got traded, he averaged 20.5 points a game with an increase in minutes and how the offenses ran through him now. It's just between him and Ingram, you put the ball in his hands, he's gonna, he could score 25 to 30 points a night. Right. If, you, if, he, if him and Brandon Ingram are hot every single night, Bro, you could look at a over 500 team. Oh, yeah. Easily. And I, and I wanted to bring this up, you know, a touch on a little bit. You know, if the people that are listening to this right now, you know, if, if I were to say that, you know, if Zion was in the game, then they would have won. Absolutely. If Devin Booker was in the game, you know, they would have swept us or whatever it is. But you lost a lot of size when Zion wasn't on the court. Think think about the starting five. You know, you have Herbert Jones, you have CJ, you got B.I., Jackson, Jackson Hayes, and then you got Valanchunas. So when you have to rest Hayes and or Valanchunas, you lose that size. You're not mm-hmm. able to defend DeAndre. Right. You're not able to defend JaVale McGee. When you have Larry Nance, who's a great player, by the way, he's just he, he's not tall. You know, he, he doesn't have that length. So if, if Zion would have been in the game um, and he would have played, you know, two, three games maybe in the series, then I think that they probably would have taken it to game seven and they possibly would have won just on that size factor that could have played in their in their um in their strengths and the positive thing i can say about uh larry nance is he averaged 15 points eight rebounds and an assist a game so that's solid numbers from a new forward Absolutely. on a new team uh providing the eight rebounds a game definitely gives the team them second chance points opportunity absolutely mm-hmm. I, so, I, I really didn't know what he was going to be when he came over from portland right but, i mean he, he showed out showed out he's he's that He's that other factor alongside Valanchunas, you know, that man who's going to have that grit, have that grind to get down and dirty in that paint. Right. To move on from the Pelican to a big injury for the 76ers being Joel Embiid. He is now, I think he's out. He was definitely out game one, definitely out game two. I don't know if his injury is going to prolong that, how long he's out. Um, My take on Joel Embiid I mean, he's just a piece of glass. It just feels like every, every. I'll tell you one thing: he's not as bad as Anthony Davis. No, mm. he's not. Ad, mm. Ad's a. You found that out, didn't you? Very. I've been on that since okay. the first year he was on the mm. Pelicans. Very fragile, mm. but no. you found that out this year when he was on the Lakers. But I yeah. feel like. I mean, the first year he was on the Lakers. Like, I don't know yeah. if it's the Seventy Sixers that just put put on too much weight onto Joel that makes him break so easily. I mean, or just the way he plays, because. The way he got hurt was just being physical, and then he got elbowed in the in the face. I mean, I don't know if that's on him or if that's on just how how the organization wants him to play. But but wasn't he in like whenever they were up twenty nine points or something like that, and he got injured? I I I feel like I saw that. That's somewhere. just being greedy, bro. Yeah, I feel like I, I don't know if that's where he got the concussion from, but I saw somewhere where he was in, you know, like three seconds left with while while they're up 29 points i think it was i mean that's that's not a good look another thing is is that if we're talking about the 76ers as a whole james harden i feel like he can lead a team he's gonna need i think we we were mentioning this before i think they played tonight right they he needs to score 50 points or 40 they play tonight uh, against the heat right yeah yeah i think so he needs to score 40 or 50 points tonight for them to win he cannot bring that team to win the game by himself or if he if he does, he has to pop off. So so my take on the 76ers is that's definitely going to hurt him. You know your key 100%. piece, your key piece is injured with a concussion and an orbital bone fracture. So much less the concussion. Now he can't fucking see. So uh, he's expected to miss game two. Uh, he's probably going to have a return in game three. It's going to be limited minutes. I would say if he does come back. 
Um, this definitely takes um, takes away from the amount of boards they get per game. So that takes away from the second chance opportunities. You know, the defensive rebounds to get get the ball back on offense to score. And another thing I want to say is that they cannot go down 2-0. No. Because if they go down 2-0 and oh, yeah. Joel comes back tomorrow or comes back in the next game, sure, they'll may take two, but they're not, they're not finishing the series. See, and you definitely – Embiid's not coming back till maybe game three. So I'm, game two is tonight, correct? Yes. Yeah. So you have – you just simply need more production from your other players, like Harden, Tobias Harris, Danny Green. Like you need them to make them shots. Harden is not the same player he was in Houston. Absolutely not. I'm sorry, but I went from watching James Harden average 30 points a game and maybe 10 assists, and now he's scoring what? Fucking 10 to 15. I, I think you are had, not the same player. I think he had 19 points last night. Yes. five rebounds and five that, assists. That is not horrible, but it's horrible for James Harden. Absolutely. This is not the bearded menace we're used to. This is this looks like a rookie playing. Like right. you look like you have you you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So the years you've been in the league was all a waste. Going to the Nets was a waste. No, that was a big waste. Now you come to Philadelphia and you can't perform. You've been in them strip clubs too damn much. That's mm. what's happening. Mm. Been eating too much. Eating too much. Mm. Like that's another just, thing. How how it's looking right now is James Harden is just a quitter. And he quit so hard on the 76ers that he can't come back from it now. See, now in Houston, you can gain all that weight and lose it to get a trade to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But now you you dove in too far, in yep. my opinion. If you don't score, like Adam said, if you don't score 40 to 50 points tonight and game three, you're not the same player. No you're gonna be traded for. You're gonna get traded for absolute dog shit next year if yeah. you keep playing like this. And now the, the only reason why I say he needs to score forty or fifty is because he is the only big time star on their team right exactly. now. Exactly, he's right. James fucking Harden. So you, you know expect, he's getting the ball. You expect to Tobias Harris to score that? You expect Danny DeGreen to score that? Hell no. No. Hell fucking no. No. I mean, they 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 did step up when they needed to, Tobias and Danny Green, but James just looked really bad. I mean, he, he really did. He needs he, to do something. I mean, Shave the beard, become aerodynamic. I don't know. Right. And and, and he hasn't really ugly. been the same since being traded to Philly. You know, I mean, even when he was in Brooklyn a little bit, you know, you kind of saw that he wasn't the same. But like at least at least Clay Thompson has an excuse to be in bad. Right. Like right. two leg injuries on the same fucking leg right. in the past two years. Right. But James Harden, you've done nothing but got fat and hang out with little baby. And mm. you have nothing to capitalize on. Right. Now, now seeing Clay drop only 19 points. I mean, that's kind of what I expected out of him. He, I mean, he's, he still doesn't look the same. I don't know if y'all watched the game last night. No, I did not. I he mean, does not look the same. I mean, and I said that from the first game he came back. I right. said Clay is not going to be the same player. Right. And I definitely hope Golden State uses him as, as trade revenue in the offseason. because if you keep him on, if you keep him, if you keep him in Golden State, that's just a pity party in my opinion. Like yeah. you're just giving I mean, him the the respect he he got during them two championships. You know. Right. I mean. Yeah, I mean, but in a sense, though, you know, who, who do you have after that? I mean, Draymond, sure. Jordan, Jordan Poole. Poole. I mean, yeah. Jordan but Poole has a high ceiling, bro. He's he's getting up there. I believe in him. Yeah, when I saw they drafted Jordan Poole a couple years ago, I was just hurt because I was like, that's just another shooter they're adding to that team. But, yep. but then again, he's, he's going to take Clay's spot. Keep uh, my word for it. But but Clay's one of the, the most gifted shooters of all time. I mean. He once was. Yeah, but I, I, still, he, I still believe he has that in him. It just. Then where it's, are these thirty-point games? I don't, 
I mean, it's, it's coming off that ACL injury. You know, when, when you think about and I know, Achilles, I know, yeah, you know, all that too. The when Achilles you think about hurts. like football players, when football players come back from ACL surgeries, they're not the same, and that's kind of what we're seeing from from him. He's going off of ACL surgery, and as you said, Achilles surgery. I mean, that's probably going to take a, a year, maybe two, to to fully come back to that. I know that they can't afford to have it exactly that long, exactly. Um, but if I mean, if you give them a few years, you know, they'll. I mean, they'll, they'll be just fine. That's if they can afford it, though. I mean, but but didn't he just sign, like, an extension during the summer, I think? I think he signed, like, a max contract. Yeah, fuck the Warriors for that, by the way. Because, like, how you how you give an extension to an injured player who hasn't played in two years? Because of his track record and what he's shown before, before that injury? Yeah. I mean, that's... That's, that's crazy. That's, that's really what you go off of. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's really nothing you can you that's can really crazy. justify that with. Now, kind of kind of going back to that Joel um, Embiid being out and for games one and two... I mean, I've, I, you know, I said it whenever I saw that he was he was going to be out. That if he's out, they're not winning a single game I, in Miami. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, but a uh, quick point: Kyle Lowry is out tonight too. Yeah, well, and that was another thing too. Kyle Lowry was out last. Yeah, he was out, you know, the other night or whatever. And they were able to put up the amount of points that they did. Tyler Hero balled out. Duncan Robinson, I think, sixth man of the year. Yeah, exactly. Like they were balling out. So when, when you think about the 76ers, the heart and soul of that team is Joel Embiid. So whenever Joel Embiid isn't on the court, you know, they're, they're lost. You know, we think about the Ben Simmons situation. He was carrying them throughout the entire year. At one point, first, second, third. Um, Still not having to shoot from beyond. Exactly. Art. So, I mean, he, he, he was carrying them, you know, in a sense with, with Ben Simmons and the drama with, with that and things like that. But when you take him off the court, yeah, James Harden is great. James Harden's going to get you, you know, however many points he can now. I mean, it's it's it's... it's it's just not a favorable situation for the 76ers. You know, even if he comes back for game three, like y'all said, he's going to be playing limited minutes. Um, I, I just don't expect them to, to do anything going forward. I really don't. You know, if even if they somehow pull off a game tonight, I expect Miami to go into uh, Philadelphia and, and take those two games there. I just, it's hard. It's hard to be this, the heart and soul of a team, get hurt in the playoffs, and then for your team to try to succeed. Right, because, I mean, at the same time, you're losing somebody that averages 30 points plus a game, 10-plus rebounds, 10-plus assists. You take that out the equation, where's your offense coming from? Sure as hell Certainly isn't. not James it's Harden. It's not James Harden. Not right it's not now, Tobias it's not Harris. Harden. It's not Muncie or whoever, or whatever Andy his name Green. is, or, 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 or Thibault or whatever, you know, whoever that is. DeAndre Jordan, who was starting the other night, who should not Four be. Four points, by the way. Who should not be in the game at all. I mean, like at that point, you ha- you have to go up against Miami with without obviously Kyle Lowry, but you have Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. I mean, there it's it's and just it's like not, it's not a good situation. Like, who are you going to replace Embiid with when you got uh, Bam getting all these rebounds? Exactly the goal, dude. And they killed him last night on the offensive and the defensive side of uh, of the glass with um, Tucker, PJ Tucker, PJ Tucker. Man. I mean, he was crashing the boards like crazy. I mean, he, he I don't know how many rebounds he actually had, but. Watching that game, uh, I keep saying last night, but I think it was the night before, they were not rebounding for, for anything, whether it was on the offense or the defensive side of the glass. And, and Miami exposed them for that. So if, if they're not able to clean that up in this game, um, I, I think big, it's a wrap. The biggest thing is, like, you can't have them sec- – for in the, in the 76ers sense, you can't have those second-chance points get away from you. Yeah, you can't waste them opportunities. Right, you had James Harden, who was once one of the greatest shooters in the league, one of the greatest shooters in the league, most reliable shooters in the league, shooting it from the right. fucking logo and draining it. 
Then you got Danny Green. He's a corner threat when he's open. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give it to him. You right. know, being on the Los Angeles Lakers for the championship team, you know, he blew a couple fucking shots, but uh, we're not going to talk about that. Mm. Uh, Tobias Harris, could, you got to you gotta crash the glass more, you know, yeah. being even though being the size you are. And, and, and didn't Tobias get like a, a massive extension a few years yes, back? Yes, from the 76ers. For what? Exactly. Exactly. Like, like, what are we doing? I think I think James Harden before he was traded from Houston to Brooklyn, they offered him like a two year extension for. And he said no. Yeah, exactly. Are, and I, I don't think that they offer any team is going to offer him a max contract in the summer. You know, especially Hell no, the, not the way he's playing. Absolutely not. And I mean, James Harden, like you said, is not that player. Even when he's by himself, you know, whenever he was in Houston. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's my main point I've always said about Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They have to be on a team by themselves yeah. with no other superstar to shine. But the thing is, James Harden, he's on, technically he's on a team by himself right now without Joel on right. the court. But he's not proving anything. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's, he's, he's not that, that Houston Rockets James Harden who's dropping 40-plus points. Who's exactly. Ha- who's exactly. having that, that, that step back and hitting it. Like, you know I'm, what I mean? I'm used to watching James Harden drop 30 points a game with seven to ten assists right but it's it's not happening and no nobody knows why like right and it was the reason why the houston rockets were so relevant for so long you know because of james because of james harden and now you think about them what are they right now i mean they have jalen green you know who's who's a great young star eric gordon i don't even know i mean i I couldn't tell you but i mean they're 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 like last in all of nba when it comes to you know records and stuff like that so i mean yeah whenever he left they were they kind of went downhill but even when he was there that i mean he he was the bright spot of that franchise but when that's you go to a, that's who you go to rockets games right, to see was right. james harden and it's the same thing when you go to 76ers games you want to see joel but you also want to see james harden but you don't want to see james harden scoring mm-hmm. 19 points a game going three for 19 like, i mean it's, it's ridiculous hell no. it really is moving from basketball our last topic of the day is lsu baseball how they're doing this season, you know, postseason's about to come up for them. They're about to be in a, um, what you call those? Regional. They're about to be in a regional. The SEC tournament, I think? Oh, SEC tournament. Then regional. SEC tournament. Then Super regional. regionals. And yeah. Then, yeah. Um, and how they're doing under uh, John Jay right now. John Jay? Jay Johnson. Jay Johnson. <laughs> John Jay. Keeping that in. John Jay. Um, Jay Johnson. So, I, I would definitely say that I expected them to be at this this stage um of the season like like i said last episode you know lsu fans are so patient um and i was kind of one of those With every sport oh, like yeah. okay yeah, yeah. yeah and and i was definitely one of those because i was very high on jay johnson and then kind of seeing the jj jj the the, <laughs> the way that you know kind of the season has gone you know for them not the vanderbilt or the you know um florida like-esque season i guess you can say but they're they're getting the job done whenever they're called upon. You know, they went into Florida. I think at the time they were ranked number eight, and they swept them. Um, I think right now they are. I think they're twentieth right now. Twenty. Well, they're they're twenty nine and fourteen overall, and twelve and nine in conference. So that, that's not terrible. I mean, they're 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 games in the conference when they should have won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of the Arkansas game a few weeks back when they were up. I mean, uh, I think they were like up three to two or something like that, and eighth ninth inning and they blew it or whatever it was i just want to let y'all know i'm the one that drinks the most on this podcast <laughs> you ready mm. Ah. Mm. okay continue <laughs> but you, you know the the lineup that jay johnson kind of inherited was you know there for him you know you got Braden joe bear you have dylan cruz 
You have Trey Morgan, K. Doty. You bring in Jacob Berry from Arizona. The only downfall of this this team is the pitching staff. When Mikhail Hilliard is your Friday night starter, and Blake, that hurts, bro. Yeah, I'm it, a big fan of him, but that hurts. I mean, and, when your ERA and, is three point yeah. five seven right now, yeah, and I, this I, late in the season, and, and I think he's like five and two overall as a pitcher, which is great. But you have Blake Money as your Saturday night starter, and then I don't even know who their Sunday starter is. Just flip a coin. It's 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 not a recipe for success. You know, you, you think about LSU. LSU has always built upon that ace. Aaron Nola, Kevin Gosman, um, Alex Lang a few years back. Even last year with Landon Marceau. They were always and have always been built on having, you know, an ace. They they have a great lineup. They just don't have the pitching to get the job done. You know, I, I, I don't know how far they can go. No, the, 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 the limit and, and the potential that they have is astronomical. But at this point in the season, something has to change. I think... One of the things that definitely has to change is they had to clean up their fielding. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you, you're not, you're definitely not going to make it far if you no. can't field and throw a ball. It's it's so that shit is horrendous, it's bro. It's so tough watching a game now when when a ball gets hit in the infield. I'm praying that they just field it clean, let alone throwing the ball. Just field it, you know. And and when they when Jordan Thompson or K. Doty boots the ball into the outfield, I'm like, oh, here we go again, you know. And that's the thing. Like you're you're a you're in an SEC school who has their fans praying to God that they could field and throw a ball correctly. Right. I mean, and, and like I said, you know, you, you think about Vanderbilt and, and Florida now. They're not really as good as, you know, they once were. You know, Vanderbilt is normally Van- ranked number one. See, I didn't know this until recently. Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, two teams that I was so scared to play last season. Yeah. Just they aren't it this no, season. No, and, and, and that's that, so comforting. And, yeah, exactly. And that was one of the question marks going into the season for Jay Johnson is how are you going to fare against Vanderbilt, Florida, Ole Miss? He showed it against Florida. He doesn't have he hasn't had faced Vanderbilt yet. hasn't faced Ole Miss yet. That's who. That's his next two big SEC. Exactly. Series. He so, has Alabama this week. Yeah. Then I think Ole Miss at, at Baton Rouge. Right. And then Vanderbilt and Vandy. So it's it's going to be a testament to how well prepared those guys are. I'm I'm not a, I'm not saying that they're going to come in flat. But they've shown that over you know the course of the season, they they just haven't had that series where they take off after it. A- after they beat Florida and they swept them, you kind of expected that they would take off. But then they come in the, the next series and I think they lose to Auburn or they lose to Missouri or whoever it was, and they lose to Arkansas. You know, it's it's kind of it. Th- there is no consistency within that. You know, they lost to UNO last week. You know, and I know that they beat Georgia, but you know. Who was who Georgia? Which you know one? what I mean? I mean, it was still a good series to watch. Yeah, I mean, for and sure. a good series for them to win, or at least take two or three of. I mean, I have personal bias because Josh Stevenson was on my baseball team, and watching right. him hit a home run was very special. That's, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. But at the same time, though, the reason that they won that Sunday game is because K. Doty hit a walk-off home run in the ninth inning. If you're playing Georgia, and Georgia isn't really that powerhouse in the SEC – Especially on a Sunday, you're you're supposed to dominate them, and they just they just haven't put their their you know their their best out there when it comes to being able to beat up these non-competitive SEC you know teams. Even though, like I said, it's an SEC, you know you're going to get the best out of them, but they're not as good as they probably once were. So it's your job to kind of put them away, and they just haven't done that. And I mean that speaks volumes on how good their pitching is, or how their pitching isn't very good. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Right. I mean. You can only rely on your hitting so much before you gotta you gotta have some type of pitching. Yeah, because like the thing for me is is I don't mind Mikhail 
starting. I don't mind Blake starting sometimes, even though he was god-awful last weekend. I would like to see Devin Fontenot start just one game. Because Devin Fontenot, I think last year when he faced Ole Miss, he went five innings and, you know, he ended up saving the game for us. Just let him throw just give him some a shot. weekday game. You know, like, what, 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 what's the worst that's going to happen? You lose? I mean, you've already done that. You know you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, got, you, know, I like, you already like, have horrible defense. Like, like who, who is your Sunday starter? You know, you had Ty Floyd, and he, he couldn't get out of, you know, the first round of the, the lineup. Um, who only can throw a fastball right down the middle and can't, doesn't have an all-speed pitch. You go to Bryce Collins. You go to Riley Cooper. You know, it's, it's, it's just inconsistency. Like, normally LSU was built upon having that three-pitching that, that three rotation that one, on two, the weekend. Three. You know, Alex Lang a few years back, then Jared Poche, and then Eric Walker. You have that set in stone rotation. You know, even last year, Landon Marceau, Jaden Hill before he went down with injury. And then you also had A.J. Labus. Now it's, and we got Mikhail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Blake is off and on. I mean, he's, he's good sometimes, but he's good, not good sometimes. I mean, and then Sunday's kind of a toss-up. It's kind of a bullpen day on, on Sundays. And bullpen games are just not fun to watch. No. I mean, not fun to watch, and it's very hard as a fan to be excited for a bullpen game because you don't know right. if you're going to have a solid bullpen one day or you're going to have a, just a terrible you know, right. new pitcher every inning kind of game, yeah. like an all-star game. And, and I'm not putting all the pressure on the pitching staff because the offense at times have not shown their fullest potential, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's Doty or Cruz or Morgan or Thompson, you know, whoever it is. They just haven't shown their ability to go one through nine, and you don't have a break in that lineup. It's been, oh, maybe one, two, and three are on that day, but then four, five, six, yeah, whatever, and then you know six, seven, eight, or whoever it is, you know, is going to be on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they they just haven't shown the consistency that I was hoping for and I was anticipating for. Now I will say that Jay John and Jay Johnson's first year with the LSU Tigers, that his record right now is the same that it was with Arizona his first year. And they made it to the College World Series, so I'm not saying that they're going to make it to the to the World Series, um, but if history indicates anything, that it tends to repeat itself, mm-hmm. you know. So if if that's the the the, um, the trajectory that they're on right now, then it's looking pretty up, you know, in terms in terms of the future. And look, right now they got like like we were talking about. They have Alabama this weekend. I don't know where it's at. I don't know if it's in Alabama or if it's in. Uh, I think it's in Alabama. Okay, so it's in, Tus- it's in Tuscaloosa. Then you have, I think you have a, uh, you have a another Tuesday game. Then you have the Ole Miss series, and then another Tuesday game, and then you finish off with Vanderbilt right. in Vandy. They really had to beat up on my, my Colonels, too, on oh, yeah. uh, they, yesterday, they, but they, it's they whatever. They put it down on them. They fucked over in their But they, they almost came back in the last thing. I mean, it was like hey, 10 to 6. Hey, Luke Barbier was pitching. I mean, what, I mean, that's all you can ask that's, for against well, an SEC team, dude. Especially like if I'm pitching, especially in Alex Box Stadium. Oh, ain't no way. You know what I mean? Like my my stomach is gonna be twisting and turning. I I, I can't imagine. You know what yeah. he felt in that. It's in a that stadium that you go to as a as a Louisiana kid exactly. to watch college baseball. You know, and it's it's one of those things when the when the coach says, "Hey, you're going in." It's like, oh man, here we go. You know, so props to him. You know, representing Central Catholic in Morgan City, but you know. Shout, shout out, out, shout shout out, out to Morgan City. Yeah, shout out. Shout, <laughs> shout out. out to Central Catholic. Yeah, shout out. I just this these next couple series, LSU is really gonna have to show themselves. Yeah. They, they, gotta, they, pro- they, they gotta prove it. They have to fight for right now what is a sixteenth series. Right. And and for me, if you know, if, if they go into these next series and they take two out of three, I'm 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 feeling a whole lot better than what I did, you know, 
a few it weekends de- it back. It depends who's pitching for me. Right. Like like you said, Fontenot, I I do want to give him the chance. I want to I want to have him show everybody, you know. Right. But the last game uh what on on him? Yeah. What 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 happened in the last game? Did he give up runs? I don't really know. No, not last game. The last series he pitched. It wasn't too hot. I mean, yeah, but that that's going to happen. You know, as as a baseball player, you're going to have your your hot games, you're going to have those games where you go cold and there's games where you just cannot throw find the strike zone or cannot put the you know the bat on the ball. So, I'm not saying that we you know give him that that third starting spot but at least just give him a chance there, there's nothing a, that can happen i am a big mikhail here your fan though mm, i always too. have been yeah and, and 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 here's the thing for me if he's starting on sunday great but when he's my friday night guy Ugh. that alex lang that landon marshall that kevin gosman needed pitcher uh I, I, don't, I don't really know you know i i, I don't know I just think right now LSU needs to focus on trying to host a regional. Just at any at any cost at this point, they need to try to host a regional. Yeah, I think I th- that right now they're just out of the reach of hosting. I think they need to make that 16 seed. I'm pretty sure. Cause I think it's one through 16. Bring make, them opponents to Alex Box. Exactly, because home field, the home field is easiest for them. Right. Getting that Baton Rouge crowd riled up on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is just it's Louisiana easy. Saturday night. Mm. It's just it's mm. just easier for them than to travel for those kind of nights. Absolutely, I think they have to win. Obviously, these next two or however many series they have left, and then make a deep run in the SEC tournament, and then I think from that, um, they'll they'll get a a regional spot and a regional host. But we'll see what happens if if they can turn it around um, in these next few weeks. Then you know the sky's the limit for them. You Look, know? I would love to see them in Omaha. In a couple of months or next month, if I, but like we like we were just all saying, this next series against Alabama, I'm gonna say you probably have to sweep. You have to sweep them, in yeah, my opinion, yeah. just because that could set up. Okay, you can lose one to Vanderbilt. You can lose one to Ole Miss if you sweep this series and win the rest of your weekday games from the for the rest of the season. Right. But if you if you take two or three or. If, Worst case scenario, they take one of three or even get swept. Then you literally have to win the re- win out for the. And rest. Right. I think I think the biggest thing is, you know, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. So the horrible defense that LSU has, like the fielding is horrible, bro. Yep. Like it's so hard to watch as an LSU fan. Like this is this is the main focus they need to fix before going into these regional super regional you know eventually omaha games you have to fix this defense because if you let people score on you i don't believe in the offense of lsu to outscore a team no me neither so it's just it it comes down to that defense and that speaks volumes because like because even though you're taught at a very very young age do not carry an error to your hitting or do not carry a strikeout to your fielding. Right. Even easier. though people teach and right. preach that, it still happens. It's a lot easier said than done. So say it's, you're, a, it's a mental thing. Absolutely. Say you I've make, been there multiple times. Say you boot an air or you boot a ball in the outfield, that's gonna speak volumes for whenever you come up. You're probably gonna you're not gonna be looking you're gonna be looking for that strikeout probably. It's just it's just not it's not a good look whenever you can't field a ball and it especially speaks volumes whenever you're trying to Trying to win games. Absolutely. I mean, and 
and like I said, not 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 that they can't turn it around, but you got to do it now. I've 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 kind of seen enough to know this what is, they are. You're right. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not gonna surprise you at this point. You know, unless there's a reliever that comes in and starts one game and throws six plus innings. You know, for the most part, you're getting six innings from Mikael Hilliard and maybe four or five innings from Blake Money, and then it's a toss up on Sundays. So and then after that is who Fano. I don't I mean, know. Yeah, Razel. I mean, Razel has been really good, but he's he's more of a eighth, ninth inning guy. Gervais has been lights out for us, but you just gotta hope that bullpen holds it down. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the scary part about it. You know, we have the pieces to do it, but then when you put all that wear and tear on that bullpen, it's, it's gonna show. Right. You know, normally you have Alex Lang or Jared Poche or Eric Walker going seven innings, and that and that bullpen's rested. Well, now you put so much pressure on that bullpen that they've had to pitch back-to-back-to-back games, and they're tired at this point. So, I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see going forward, but I don't, I don't know. It'll, it'll it'll be interesting. So overall, you like JJ? Yeah, absolutely. I, like and like I said, it was a great hire, and I I knew, especially you know from LSU fan, I, I would be this way because I I want immediate results. You know, mm-hmm. I want Omaha, I want national championships, but I knew it was going to be a learning curve. You know, it's your first year. You have a lot of expectations. You have a lot of high praise from former coaches, former coaches, and former players. Um, I, I think he's Paul doing. Pulmonary, yeah, Skip absolutely. Bertman, you know, you got that. You got that pressure on. Absolutely, him. I, I think he's doing a, a well, um, a good enough job. You know, um, given the circumstances, given you know the the bad sit- pitching situation that he inherited when he came in here. Um, even though he has the the pieces on offense, I think that he's done um, um, a, a good enough job to to lead this team, hopefully, to Omaha, you know, um, in the summertime. You like J.J.? I do. I'm a big fan. I think LSU has a high ceiling, but this year I don't see it getting done. Yeah. I don't see the final the final national championship stage getting done in, in Baton Rouge. Right, and, and and that's the tough part because after this year. You got to accept it as a fan. It's yeah. like it's yeah, a absolutely. process, and you got to gotta see it through. Yeah, and it's, it's so tough, you know, to accept that because after this year, Barry's gone. After this year, Dugas and Mikhail's gone. Mikhail, so, yeah, that's the big piece you're losing. I mean, it's – I say yes, you're losing. Interesting. You are losing your A's, but I think you're putting a lot of confidence in a lot of recruits. Yeah, that, for sure. Okay, he took basically a very shit pitching staff to a – Respectable, yeah. You know, not great, but you're gonna respect it. Mm -hmm. And and all props to him and and the pitching coach too for for working through that. They they knew going into the season that they were not gonna have an elite pitching staff, right? But but they've done a good enough job to kind of you know work around that and and put the best that they can possibly. I mean, in my eyes, if I'm if I'm like a five four five star uh, pitcher right now, I'm thinking, okay, if he could do that with their talent. I wonder what he could do with my talent. Absolutely. And that would make me draw closer and closer to go play in Baton Rouge. I like I like him for the long term too because he's he's very clear and adamant about player development. You know, I I I've seen a few interviews. See, that's the thing. Let me let me cut you off right mm-hmm. there. Uh what is he signed to? Like how long is he in Baton Rouge to develop these players? I don't even know. I mean, I would assume assume it's not the Brian Kelly type of contract, but maybe a little bit less years. I don't know. So would you say like four plus or like below? Probably four, four plus. That's I think that's enough time. Yeah, absolutely. And like 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 I said, there there are a few interviews that he's you know he's given that he said that he wants to develop the players you know for the long term. That if a high school recruit is going to be drafted in the first round, 
that's great. Get them, you know, get your money or whatever. But college is the best route for you. You know, the only way that you're going to learn is through going through the ups and downs of college. Right. That's, and I, be, I believe that the SEC is the best division to absolutely. do that. Absolutely. So you think about Dylan Cruz. Dylan Cruz could have went pro, mm-hmm. but he, he decided to come to LSU. Maybe because of pulmonary, but probably because of the developmental aspect. Because when you go into, you know, minor leagues at a very young age and you start striking out, you know, you're, you're not able to put the, the bat on the ball, you make errors, it, it, it messes with you It messes with you mentally. You know, it really does. It's something that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to develop. But I think that Jay Johnson is focused on the developmental aspect, not just on the field, but off the field as well, you know, in terms of the classrooms. Um, and, and getting the best out of the, out of his players. So I, I love the hire. I really do. All right. So today we're going to introduce a segment called Final Take. Basically what this is going to be is it's just going to be a one-minute rant from each one of us just giving out any type of news we want to give, specifically more about sports, just, un, just so we're, we're not getting cut off by anybody. This is our minute to take to give our final take for the All night. Right. I don't take it off. So, my my final take for the night is that these damn Yankees are some different this season. Mm. Here we go. Right now, they are the best <laughs> team in baseball. They have two all like, sluggers right now just hitting away home run after home run with Rizzo and Judge. Judge is having a standout early season right now. He is trying to get paid by the end of the season. 99, man. Trying to get paid this season. Uh, Garrett Cole, shaky, shaky start at the beginning. Spider-Gate. Now he's starting to pick up more form. He's His next start is going to be some, uh, against the Rangers in Yankee Stadium under the lights. So that should be a good time for him to try to just keep performing, keep getting better. They're just a really fun team to watch. And to every other team that decided in their games this week, saying fuck the yankees when they're not even playing the yankees that puts a smile on my face because that means we're back to the fuck you yankees the 09 yankees the 99 yankees next oh um <laughs> mm. it's mm, it's, it's kind of hard to follow that up i'll, I'll have a, a take on that next episode but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for them so my my final take is about the nba playoffs isn't it so good that LeBron James isn't in the NBA playoffs? Here he fucking go. A <laughs> hater. A born natural isn't it, hater. Isn't it so great? No, at one time is, he was is, the biggest is fan. It, isn't it? Mm, yeah, then actually grew some you know, common sense and actually researched oh, and understood what exactly right. was happening. But let's, let's just take into its proper perspective. You got guys like Don, um, Donovan Mitchell, who obviously lost out in the first round, but elevating his game. You know, Luka Doncic. Bucket. Devin Booker. You know, Jimmy Butler with with the with the Heat. Really? It's 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 exciting to watch these young ta- you know, young young um, players and them being able to showcase their talents without having to watch Lacroix Baby James complaining about every time he gets. <coughs> You're 19, averaging 30 points, but every official in the league kind of you know. Shit, yeah. that's the officials' part, not LeBron's. Well, no, well let's let's not get into that. But um. It's it's so good not being able to watch LeBron go. Where's the foul at? Where? Oh, he hit me on my wrist. Oh, I got poked in the eye. I've been down for sixty seconds. Where's my foul at? It's so great watching the NBA playoffs without having to watch LeBron James. And I didn't watch NBA at all this year. But without LeBron James in it, whoo, that's that's just a plus for me. Watching you know young stars like Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, on his way, hopefully onto you know another finals appearance. Which if he makes the finals and wins the finals, that's a whole nother discussion. But we'll get into that a little bit later. 
Um, I think he's going to get there. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's a whole other discussion. But um, Jason Tatum, you know, being able to showcase his talents with, with the Boston Celtics um, as it pertains to the Western Conference with John Morant and, you know, his, his second year with the Grizzlies, um, being able to showcase that he is that dude, it's just awesome. It, it, it puts a smile on my face when LeBron James isn't in, you know, in the NBA playoffs or in the NBA finals too, but just in the NBA playoffs as a whole. So that's all I have to say about that. Hey, final take. Mm. I got like you got, four, you got I got four topics, but I'm gonna run through them very fast. Uh, D Hop six game suspension. That oh, is my one. favorite receiver in the NFL. I believe he's the best receiver in the NFL. Best hands. Uh, the the drug test came in November, so I believe this is kind of like you know put on for to suspend him into the next season. I believe that the NFL could have taken action earlier. I believe that the NFL could have take could have took action earlier, but they chose not to to suspend them for the next season. Um, my next topic is the NFL offseason as a whole has been crazy for each one of our teams: the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, uh, and then occasionally the New Orleans Saints. You know, right? The every team has significantly changed or added a key piece. Um, I want to touch touch basis on the Miami Dolphins draft they didn't have a first round pick they didn't draft until the third round uh for giving up them picks for <laughs> Tyreek Hill but they drafted Eric Azuma and I just want to say he has 25 missed tackles for since 2020 uh he's a third among big 12 wide receivers uh they also absolutely stole Channing Tindall which I don't even think he's going to start because our linebacker core is huge. From Georgia, by the way, if you're asking, Tyler Longman. Um, 26 total QB pa- pressures from last season. Uh, the fourth among SEC linebackers. And the last subject I want to touch on is the person sitting to the left of me has spent $400 on a on a mm. mic for a podcast. Mm. Let's, let's bring that up, shall that we? does not even come with a stand. Mm. If mm. y'all don't know, the first episode, Mr. Adam Sterling Bloom had to hold the mic with his hand yep. like a flunky. Yep. But still could barely hear him. And you can still barely hear him. That's crazy. What we spent, like maybe like one fifty at max, maybe. Not not even that. And we sound we, perfect. You know, I, we, I sound like Rihanna on this podcast. You know what we had with it too? We had a mic, we had a stand, we had the cords and everything. Everything. The whole the whole bazunga. It's mm. so crazy how quick time goes. It's like we're almost at the end of the podcast. Oh, I think look, we should start changing closing, subjects. I think we should start closing this one out for uh, the uh, night. Anyway. You know, you know, this, 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 this is a, uh, a podcast where the, the mics are cheap. I mean, you know, some mics, <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, where we give our, our hot takes. And I guess, you know, we're on our affordable microphones, I guess you can say. So, I mean... I don't know if y'all can hear it from Adam's four hundred dollar mic, but yeah. I would like to close out this session if, with if y'all give us some feedback, if you actually heard him clear enough in this episode, we greatly appreciate it. But That's right, right. Crazy. Um so that that concludes episode three. And like I said before, after episode five, we will have sponsorships, doing it in public places, and have guests on this podcast. So please tune in to episode three through the entire future. We don't have any plans on ending soon. So anybody would like any closing remarks? Um, yeah, just to build off what Dave was saying, if you want to be on this podcast, if you want to be a guest, just hit us up. Hit me, Dave Longman. Just hit one, any one of us up, and we'll start putting, we'll start building a list. Yeah, we will. We will have a wait list of first come, first serve after episode five. So, 
in other sense episode six will be the first episode that we have a guest on right um y'all are welcome to have any take y'all would like the topics we will definitely let y'all know to have so y'all could do some research on yeah, these topics sure. and give y'all you know honest opinion so uh like they were touching base on you know come come have a good time have some beers come sit in the man cave watch some games you know give your give your take on these topics we're gonna have so Absolutely. we re- we really appreciate y'all tuning in to episode three i hope y'all y'all definitely enjoyed it and we'll catch you on episode four <laughs>